Church reformation for city transformation. And I believe that as a church, as a local church, and also as a citywide church, we need to be reformed if the city is going to be transformed. And I want to share along those lines with us this morning. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, Jesus said this, He said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we've read these verses many, many times. And we understand our mandate that we are salt and light in the city. Amen? And in fact, that's the vision of the church. That we are salt and light in the city. A voice to our nation and to the nations. That's our vision. To be salt and light. Which means that we are here to influence. We are here to transform our city. Now, about five years ago, Dr. Ed Delft who is an author, especially concerning faith and community. How does faith impact community? How does our faith affect community? Talked about seven spheres of influence of society. He talked about seven spheres of influence. And uh, since then, different Christian leaders have been calling it by different names. Some people call it seven arenas of influence, and some call it seven spheres that impact society. Um, some talk about it as seven mountains of culture, seven pillars of society. Seven gates of the city or seven gates of the world or some even refer to it as seven kingdoms of the world. Now, regardless of what terms we use, here are the seven spheres of influence that shape our society. What are they? First, there is religion. There's education, government, family, business, media and arts, and entertainment, which would include sports. So these are the seven areas or spheres that determine our society, that shape our society in which we live. And the term marketplace that we use very commonly refers to all seven of these spheres of influence. So the point I want to bring across to us is, is that if you and I are going to be salt and light, we have to be engaged in any one or more of these seven spheres of influence. Amen? We can't disengage from these and then say we are salt and light in this world. God needs His people in all of these seven spheres of influence. He needs you there. Now some of us will think about entertainment and say, man, that's so demonic, you know. Look at the kind of stuff we see on, in the movies. And look at the kind of stuff that comes out on television. And it's so demonic. It's so, uh, so bad. And, and uh, uh, we want to stay away from it. My challenge to us this morning is we are not to stay away from it. We are supposed to go into it and be salt and light there. Amen. The only reason it's so demonic today is because most believers are absconding. They're missing in action. They're not there. Amen. So if we are going to be salt and light in our city, if we are going to transform our city, God needs His people in each of these seven spheres of influence of society. We must embrace a calling and we must be there. We must raise a new standard. We must bring transformation in these seven areas. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 22, verse 17, God was speaking to Abraham, 
And here's part of his covenant to Abraham in Genesis 22 and verse 17. The Lord said that in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Now the gate in their context, in their understanding, was the place of influence, was the place where decisions were made. The elders of the city would sit at the city gates when they had to make important decisions, when people had problems, that's where they came. So the gate of the city was a place of influence that, that determined that all, what took place in that city. So when God was telling Abraham, your descendants will possess the gate of the enemy, it means that God's people will, would, take, would be in places of influence, will dominate, will control, will determine what takes place at the city gates. You and I are descendants of Abraham according to the third chapter of Galatians. You and I inherit this promise from Abraham. God wants you and me to possess the city gates. Amen. He wants you and I to be influencers in our city. Not sit idly by and let somebody else have the city gate. He wants his people to possess the gates. We need to rule and reign, that is, have influence once again. You know, what kind of influence would the church have on the community if, or the city? If all that the community or the city sees and hears about the church is uh, news of church splits, controlling leaders, doctrinal wars, financial mishandling and immorality among believers. I mean, what kind of influence would the church have on its community? If that's all the community hears and sees about the church, this has to change. God needs His people who will be out there in the spheres of influence, making a useful contribution and letting people see and hear that the church is not about mishandling money. The church is not about, you know, doctrinal wars. The church is about living people who can make a difference in this world. And that's you and me. We need to let the world know that the church has people who can contribute, who can make a difference in society. Who will take up their place in the spheres of influence and be people of influence. In Matthew the 16th chapter verses 18 through 19, Jesus said this, he said, You know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said to the church, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you and I must understand as part of this church that Jesus is building is this, that wherever you are, wherever a believer is, they are the highest spiritual authority in that place. In your business, in, in education, in the government office where you work, in the school where you teach, in the business where you work, in, in the area of entertainment, wherever you are involved in, you are the highest spiritual authority in that place on earth. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not be able to dominate that church. And you are that church. Amen. So wherever you go, whatever area of influence you are in society where God has placed you, you are the highest spiritual authority. It's time we began to make our presence felt. Amen. So that's our mandate. God has placed us and positioned us to... Possess the gates and bring transformation in our city. Now, of course, we have to bring transformation by living by the word of God and physically through values and ethics and integrity by walking the walk 
wherever we are. But this morning, I, I want to talk about two important areas on how we are to bring city transformation. And here's what I'm convinced about. I'm, here's what I believe, that the church must be reformed, reformed in two major areas if the church is going to transform the city. What are these two areas? First, believers must understand their calling in the marketplace. The church needs to be reformed. There needs, a reform, needs to be a reformation in the church. To bring believers to a place of understanding of their calling in the marketplace. That you are really a minister of God in the marketplace. Amen. And there needs to be a reformation on this. A total restructuring, reformation of the church that will empower believers, help believers understand their calling as ministers of God in the marketplace. You know, traditionally, we've always thought, if you want to be a minister, or you got saved, you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you got anointed, okay, quit your job, come, ministry, full-time ministry. And so what's happened is people have left the marketplace, got into what we call as full-time ministry, and thereby diminishing the church's ability to bring transformation in the city. But what did Jesus say in Luke the 19th chapter, verses 12 and 13? Verse 12 says, Jesus spoke this story or illustration of parable. He said, Luke 19 verse 12, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So it's talking about Jesus. He's gone to receive a kingdom and he's going to come back. But what did he do? What did he do? Verse 13, So he called ten of his servants, delivered, them to, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. The King James uses the word occupy till I come. The New King James, in other words, will translate the literal Greek as say, do business till I come. Meaning, be engaged in the business, in the economics, in the commercials, and be involved in the marketplace till I return. Are you with me? It's not about leaving the marketplace. He said, do business, occupy the marketplace until I come back. So it's time for us believers to understand that Jesus wants us to be in the marketplace till he comes back. To be salt and light in government, in media, in entertainment, in education, in, uh, in business, in every other sphere of influence. He wants us to be there, to be salt and light. Occupy till I come. Amen. Now, sometime back, somebody called me and they said, you know, Pastor, I believe, I heard that you do not believe in full-time ministers. And then I had to correct him. I said, you know, no, 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 that's wrong. You got that wrong. We have full-time ministers on staff here in church. We have full-time pastors who take care of our outreach churches. We have a Bible college that trains people for full-time ministry. So, so no, 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 not that I don't believe in full-time ministers. The reason I emphasize believers being ministers in the marketplace is because we need a reformation of the church in that area. And that's why we're emphasizing that. It's not that we are discarding the other. There are people who are called to what we call as full-time ministry. Because God has set in the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. I'm not denying that. But what is so lacking in the church today is the empowering, the equipping, and the releasing, and the commissioning of believers to be ministers in the marketplace. And that's why we are emphasizing that. Amen. He wants us to occupy the marketplace till He returns. 
So there must be a reformation in the church and this has already begun to happen globally. Different people call it different things. Uh, Bill Hammond calls it equipping the saints to the saints movement. Somebody else calls it faith at work. Somebody else calls it the God at work movement. Uh, people, or somebody else calls it the marketplace movement. People use different terminologies, but they're all talking about the same thing. That globally, we are seeing a reformation of the church where God's people are realizing that their ministry is in the marketplace, that they need to be equipped to bring transformation to the marketplace. This reformation is already happening around the Worlds. Amen. You and I are part of this. To see every believer being a minister of God in the marketplace, being salt and light, influencing, transforming the marketplace, the city. And the second area where we must see reformation in the church is this that believers must be able to take God's presence and power to the marketplace. You know, it's not that we've not had believers. In the marketplace. For years, there have been believers in the marketplace. But the mindset has been, I go to work and I bring my tithes to the church for ministry. I finish my responsibility. I give my tithes. That's my ministry. But that needs to change. And we must tell believers, you need, it's not just you bring the money from the marketplace into the house of God. You need to carry the presence and power of God from the house of God into the marketplace. It's one thing to bring the money in. Yes, we need the money and we can use the money and wonderful. But listen, we need the other thing to happen. We need believers to carry the presence and power of God out from the house of God into the marketplace. Because you and I know fully well that when the presence of God invades any sphere of activity, there is going to be tremendous results. There's going to be transformation happening when the presence and power of God moves in. Amen. So we need a reformation in the church in this area where believers receive the power and the presence of God and they're able to carry it out into the marketplace and demonstrate it there, release it there. Traditionally, what's happened is, you know, we come to church, we come to the services Sundays for two hours, we spend time, we enjoy the presence of God, we enjoy the power of God, we thank God for it, leave it in church, go as normal empty vessels back to the marketplace. So nothing's happening there. But that needs to change. We need a reformation. Amen. And it's beginning to happen. You know, just look at scripture whenever, when you look at so many examples of God's people, God's presence, God's power invading different spheres of influence. We see so many examples in scripture and in Christian history of how these spheres of influence were transformed. And I'll just talk a little bit about these. Think about religion. You find in the Bible a man named Nicodemus in John the third chapter, verses 1 and 2. It says that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was a top man in his, as a Pharisee, he was very religious, a leader among them. And verse 2 of John 3, it says that he came to Jesus by night. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God because no one can do these miracles that you do unless God is with him. The demonstrations of power touch this religious leader. He said, I'm seeing the miracles you do, and I'm convinced God's with you. You're from God. Think about Simon the sorcerer. He was a deeply spiritual man, except in the wrong direction. He was connected to witchcraft and sorcery and involved in all those kinds of things. What happens to Simon the sorcerer? Philip goes to Samaria, preaches the gospel, demonstrates the power of the kingdom. 
And it says in Acts chapter 8 verse 9 and 13 that there was a man who practiced sorcery, Simon. And verse 13 it says that Simon himself believed. And he was amazed when he saw the miracles and signs which were done. When the power of God is demonstrated, even religious people will stand amazed. Whether it be Nicodemus a Pharisee or Simon the sorcerer who practiced witchcraft, it doesn't matter which category of religious people they are. When they see the power of God, when the power of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated, they will know, they will want to believe. Think about the sphere of education. Daniel and his friends were in the University of Babylon in Daniel chapter 1. And it says that God gave them, verse 17, God gave them knowledge and skill and all understanding and all wisdom and all the learning. And they excelled. And they had influence in that university. And later on, they moved to the government and had influence in the government. Paul himself was a highly schooled man. He studied under Gamaliel, one of the best scholars of his time. And probably if he lived in our day, we could say that he, you know, he would have been somebody who graduated from a prestigious university like Harvard or, or Stanford or some other thing. With maybe a double PhD, whatever. And he was very, very highly educated. And yet, when he encountered Jesus, he said... He, is, he was so radically touched that he said, you know, I count all my education as rubbish. Even in the realm of education, when the presence and power of God is taken in, lives are radically changed. Think about the realm of government. There was a man whose name was Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. In Luke 19, the cha 19 chapter, verses 2 to 10. And Zacchaeus was hated because like all tax collectors, he collected more than he had to collect. Sounds very familiar. And he was hated. He was working for the Roman government, although he was a Jew. And people hated him. But what did Jesus say? Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. And when Jesus walked into Zacchaeus' house, something happened when he encountered Jesus. He said, Lord, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I'm going to return it. I'll give back to them many times as much. I'm going to give back. I'm going to get everything right. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your home. Even government officials will be transformed when they encounter the presence and power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Sergius Paulus, who was a governor of an island called Paphos in Acts 13, chapter verses 7 and 12. It says that in verse 7 that the proconsul Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man. And he was a governor of, of this island. And he called Barnabas and Saul and he wanted to hear the word of God. And, and he saw a demonstration of the power of God right in front of him. And then verse 13, verse 12 concludes saying, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, and he was astonished at the teaching of the law. So even this government, governor was, came to faith and believed when he saw a demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Where are the Pauls? Where are the uh, Josephs and Daniels of today who will be able to take the presence and power of God into governments? Amen. We need people. We'll be able to do that. And like this, we could go on. We could talk about family. We can talk about people who've made a difference in bringing Christian values in the area of family and taking it to the marketplace. We can talk about business. People are really making a major difference today in the world of business and taking God's presence and power into that, that sphere. We can talk about media and arts and Christians and media and arts. Thank God for Christians who are bold enough to step in there. And the sphere of entertainment. You know, it's exciting to hear of Christians moving in to Hollywood and Bollywood. Amen. Right here in our, in our country, a very, very well-known name is that of Johnny Lever, who's making an impact in the realm of entertainment. Thank God for men like him. We need more people like him. who are willing to stay in that sphere 
and have an influence. Demonstrate the presence and power of God in that realm. So church, two areas of reformation. One, every believer must understand they're a minister of God in the marketplace. Second, every believer must carry the presence and power of God out of the church into the marketplace. When we see a reformation in the church in these two areas, the city will be transformed in a hurry. Amen. We will see city transformation when this begins to happen. Now as a church, we are in a season where we are seeking God and we are desiring an outpouring, a visitation, a revival upon us. We are pressing in the presence and power of God. We are saying, God, we want more of your presence. We want more of your power. And that's why we are taking time to the course of the week to come together uh, and seek God together so that they can be now pouring upon us as a body. And this ties in directly to city transformation. It's not disconnected from city transformation. It ties in directly because a revival results in the restoration of truth. It results in the restoration of something that God has placed in the church which then has been neglected. So what, what are we crying out for? We are saying, God, we need an outpouring, a revival, a visitation of your presence and power in signs, wonders, and miracles. So this revival is going to bring about a restoration of signs, wonders, and miracles. The bringing the, an, an increased presence and power of God in the lives of His people. And a revival, when it's allowed to run its full course, will eventually result in reformation. It will bring about a reformation of the church. And so this revival that we are crying out to God for, we are saying, God, we want revival because we want a restoration of what we see in the book of Acts, in our lifetime, in our day, in our church. We don't want to just read about it, but we want to walk in the book of Acts. And when there's a restoration of that, and we, we will continue in this, we will see a church that is truly reformed. We will see a reformation in the church. And reformation is necessary to see city transformation. So I want to leave us with three action items here as I close this message this morning. I want to first of all challenge all of us to take up our calling in the marketplace. Now whatever your sphere of influence is, what God has given to you, see yourself as a minister of God. You may not be called reverend so-and-so and bishop so-and-so. It doesn't matter. You are a minister of God in the marketplace. You are there not to just make a living, but a call to have influence and impact for the kingdom of God. Secondly, I want to invite all of us to come be a part of our journey into revival. Come, as, uh, as, as far as your scheduled permits, come be there every evening, Tuesday through Friday, Tuesday through Saturday. As we seek God and say, God, we need an outpouring. Why? Because God, we want to take your presence and power out to the marketplace. But we need to receive that first. We need more than what we have today, God. So I want to invite you to come. Let's press into God. And third, I want to encourage you to take God's presence and power into the marketplace. When God's presence and power is demonstrated through our lives, that will cause a transformation, a change in the hearts and lives of people. So take it out there. Take God's presence and power into the marketplace. I want to especially speak to the young people. I've got so many of them here. And young people, I really want to encourage you to study well. Amen. And work hard. You know, you may be on your first job, your second job, whatever. Study well, work hard because you are a minister that God's raising up for the marketplace. Amen. So don't take it lightly. You know, I wish somebody told me this when I was studying. I thought studies was like a yoke, like a thorn in my flesh, you know. If only I didn't have to study, I could serve God full time. Nobody told me at that time that really my education and my profession was really a preparation for being a minister of God in the marketplace. But today, young people, I really want to encourage you. 
Study well, work hard. Because you're a minister of God in the marketplace. You've got to be a mover and a shaker. You've got to be salt and light in the spheres of influence. God needs you there. Amen. If you're learning dance, man, just learn it well. He needs some dancers in entertainment. He needs some people. He needs people who can make a difference. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, do it well. Together, let's see revival, restoration, and reformation of our church. That will lead to city transformation. Amen. Are you all ready to do that? Are you all ready to say, God, come reform us. We want reformation in our church. We want reformation in the citywide church. Because God, we want to see our city transformed.